Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. And today I have a really good friend of mine that I've known for a long time, and I'm super happy to have them on the show. Welcome, <laughs> Lilius. Hi, thanks for having me. And good job on the pronouns. Wow, right off the bat. Oh, I love it. Oh, thanks. You know, <laughs> I, I think about that more. I mean, it's not that I think about it more every day. It's that the more I practice it, the easier it becomes. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I know that it's difficult for people, mostly just because we're so used to, we don't even have to think about pronouns really until you meet somebody who's trans or non-binary. But, you know, and then I've met a little bit of resistance with some of my friends who are like, gosh, I've just known you for so long as she, her. And so like having to transition is just like tough, you know, and I get it sort of, but I'm like, have you ever learned another language? Because <laughs> yeah. this is literally just one word. And so I don't feel like it's a lot to ask. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. You're doing great. Thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's really great to have known you for such a long time and like see that like people like manifest their true selves through the course of their life. And yeah. I really feel that that's really happening for you over the last several years, even though I'm sad that we haven't hung out as much uh, the last few years you know, with the pandemic and then just our lives are kind of like in different places. But, you know, I miss hey, man. you. I miss you too. And I think about our travels a lot. We've done a lot of things together. And it's interesting because like, since you mentioned wanting to do this podcast, and some of the things about my experience in the in my career in the industry, you have had such a huge part in that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've traveled to different countries together a, f a few different times. My best work is <laughs> trading with you and collabing with you and Yay. you know I don't know like there was a point in my career where I wanted to be like a pilot I thought about very seriously about going to pilot school and it was because we were on that tiny little plane to Belize do you remember that yeah yeah <laughs> with Shantia and I think Carly was with us Carlotta Champagne and it was like nerve-wracking we were in this tiny little plane and we went through a rainstorm it just felt like a different universe and everyone was like white knuckling it and I was like this is fucking rad actually <laughs> this is really fun and then on the way back from Belize I was in the pilot seat they let me co-pilot do you remember that yeah, I, d I vaguely remember that. But now that you're bringing it up, I didn't realize that that was your inspiration for getting into it. That's so cool. I've always been very comfortable in planes, but that riding in the cockpit, basically, like seeing the whole 180 view of this beautiful landscape where, you know, we were flying right over the beach. So it was like land and the ocean and just like these tiny little pockets of clouds and then seeing the runway and meeting up with the runway it was like oh my I I, I was so happy I cried <laughs> it was such an unreal experience that yeah I wanted to do it more and I uh yeah looked into being a pilot and I did one little test pilot flight and didn't have a good feeling about it something about it I don't know it just was like this isn't for you it's fun but it's not for you. And so I kind of let it die. And now I'm on a different path. But anyway, I don't know, just like the different transitions of my life, you've been there. Thank you. It's cool that as we are traveling to different places and doing different things, we discover like things that we're interested in, where if we didn't like get out of our hometown, 
oh, never totally. would have like thought about that. So it's cool For to sure. have those, even if it's just a bunny trail like side adventure, like it's still awesome. It is really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For our listeners, would you mind kind of describing the progression of your career as a model and then where it's led you to where you are now? Sure. Let's see where to start. I can try and sum all of this up just because it's been a long time. So growing up, my aunts and uncles were just like, you were going to be a model. <laughs> like, you need to get into this. So that kind of put like a bug in my ear. And then when I was like 15, I saw an advertisement on TV for Barbizon Modeling School. <laughs> and I told my dad about it. And he was very supportive and excited. And he helped me sign up. And yeah, I went to Barbizon. My dad was very supportive. He drove me there every weekend. But <laughs> looking back, that was basically just a charm school. The things that I remember learning from Barbizon are like, you know, here's how your dinner table is set up. Your fork is on the left. Your knife is on the right. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the soup bowl. Blah, blah, blah. Just the whole thing was about how to, it was just etiquette. And I, I also learned how to wear perfume, which is not on your wrist and on your neck. It's actually the back of your knee. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's, you know, that's where major blood vessel is. So when it warms up, it like, yeah, you can smell the fragrance better, just like a candle, you know. Anyway, so yeah, I did Barbizon when I was 15. That was fun. But it didn't really go anywhere. It didn't take me anywhere. It didn't help me build a portfolio. But a few years later, I was best friends with a person who studied photography in high school. And so I was around when she was putting together her photography projects. And she took a couple pictures of me and they were kind of awesome. She was a really talented photographer. So I had a few of those of myself. So a couple years later, I dated a painter and <laughs> he promised me that he'd paint me if I came over for like dinner <laughs> and a glass of wine. And I came over for dinner, a glass of wine, and it was a date, not a work thing, which was mm. fine. I enjoyed dating him. He didn't ever paint me, but he helped support me in like starting up a Model Mayhem page. And we put up those pictures from high school to start up my portfolio. And like right off the gate, I was taking paid work. When I say I was taking paid work, I mean, I was working with local photographers who did it as a hobby, and I was getting paid maybe. 20 bucks an hour, which was not a lot, but it yeah. kept me really busy. And so from that, I was able to build up my portfolio even better. And at that time, you could just put up unlimited pictures of yourself. It wasn't like just the 15 on Model Mayhem. So I had like pages and pages of my own work. And anyway, so yeah, I moved to Seattle and I was a nanny but still modeling part-time on the side just for fun. And then I met other people who were traveling and booking gigs full-time. So I thought that was really cool. And <laughs> I did that. The family took a trip to Hawaii and they were like, you could come with us for a week. You'd be working. You'd be help us. You'll be helping us uh, babysit the kids. Or 
you can just do your own thing and just like have 10 days off. And I was like, sure, I'll take 10 days off. Um, I think I might go out to the East Coast and see what it's like to do a little modeling tour. And before I left, I had like my schedule book all written out with everybody who had booked me and I like calculated up how much I was going to be making. And I was at the house with the family that I was a nanny for. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to make $7,000 in 10 days. <laughs> and the mom was like, what the fuck? And I was like, dude, I know what? Is this real? And she's like, I think that this is what you need to be doing. Like, we got it. The kids are grown. And we'll let you know if you want to babysit on the weekends for date nights or whatever. But you should be doing this full time. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. For reference, I was making $1,500 with this family a month. <laughs> 1500 a month? Okay. So that's yeah. like, like two day bookings basically with modeling. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I did that trip. I didn't actually end up making that much because people cancel and, you yeah. know, booking the flights and booking the hotels and blah, 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 all of that. But I did come home with maybe like $2,000 profit, which is sick. That's <laughs> like, good. yeah, that's more than obviously than I would have made you know, as a nanny. So I felt like I was just jumping off a cliff. I didn't know what was coming. It felt super insecure. I felt really insecure about it because I didn't have a safety net now that I didn't have a full-time job. So now modeling was my full-time job and I had to treat it like it was a job and not a fun hobby to do sometimes when I have available time and I feel like earning a couple extra bucks on the side. This was like okay, you are a professional now. You need to act like a professional. Treat your clients like you're the professional. And I did that. So <laughs> I would go on tours probably like once a month. I would take a week away and go to a different city or two and book with local photographers there. And they paid my rate. And then they own the images. So I know that I'm kind of explaining the industry and how it works to your audience who probably already knows how it works. But when I was a full-time model, the industry standard was $100 an hour to do nude work. And it, it was basically just anybody who could pay your rate, you worked with them. And that was your, that was your paycheck. Looking back at that, that's really wild. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. Like, that's like not enough money a hundred dollars an hour to hang out with a nude person is so cheap and then you can take their pictures and then you can post them online wherever you want because it's perfectly legal because I signed a release so you can post online that you have proof that you got to hang out with me naked for an hour or more like, yeah, I mean, under the guise oh, that there's like an artistic sort yeah, of motivation. Totally, totally, exactly. I mean, like the real good photographers who are actually are, you know, who were good at what they did, who made me look good, who made me feel like I was beefing up my portfolio. It was probably one in like five or ten photographers. It wasn't a lot. Most of them were GWCs. <laughs> we worked out of their basement or a spare room in their house or in a hotel where I had to keep it quiet that I worked with them and they worked under a different name. They wanted me to book the the hotel under my name oh my because they don't want their wife to know, you know? Yeah, I've done the same thing. They show up and they're like, oh, can you put it on your credit card actually? Because my wife watches my credit card expenses. 
And it's going to look weird if I book a hotel room that she has no idea about. Yeah, it's like fishy. It's like really weird. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something bad or or helping you support, like supporting you and doing something that's not honest with your partner. Yeah, or like you're the other woman or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, it feels really weird. So anyway, so I did the touring, the full-time freelance modeling for actually only like I think it was less than two years so it wasn't very long and then Patreon rolled around and I opened that up and that gave me a lot of freedom of choice of who I worked with I told myself every $200 that I make on Patreon I can decline a shoot with a photographer that I don't want to work with and I can go collab with somebody in my town who does good work who is passionate about the artistic side of photography, who I feel safe with. And so that fed into me exploring what I wanted in my artwork and not just, oh, I'm the sexy person who's just showing up for you to take pictures of me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so again, every $200 I made, I was booking a different kind of a shoot. And that's where it really snowballed for me as far as my identity as an artist I'm creating better work with better people. I have more pictures to show for the work that I'm putting in. Yeah, totally. And now I have creative control (laughs) and I have control over my identity now. So I was able to, I had more to post on Instagram. I had more to post on Patreon. And yeah, so that's where I got more attention. I got more followers and I had more of a choice to just work with who I wanted to work with. And it it was really liberating (laughs) and awesome. So anyway, I was then able to quit full-time modeling, I guess, as far as like showing up to any random person's house who's going to pay me a couple hundred bucks. I don't even know. There's not a term for it. I felt very independent. I felt I was like an independent model relying on just my online presence to feed, to pay my bills, (laughs) which was so great. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing since probably 2017. I've been using Patreon and then OnlyFans full-time for my sole source of income. (laughs) You do those bookings that are down in LA with the lingerie company, and I always see they do your makeup and your hair really fantastically, and that's (laughs) cool, too. That's right. I can't forget about... Fantasy lingerie, they are so good to me. I love them so much. And it's, yeah, it's one of the only commercial gigs that I've been able to book consistently. I go down there a few times a year and we have a great time. I love them. I've never had a bad experience with them. (laughs) And yeah, they glam me up. That is drag. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really fun to go into sex shops and see myself on the boxes of lingerie. Heck yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) And so around the time that you quit working for other photographers and started collaborating for your Patreon, is that when your Instagram skyrocketed? Yes. It all happened around the same time. Like that year when I opened up my Patreon is the same year that I hit 100K on my Instagram. That must have been like... Was that like 2017 or something like that? Yes, I think it was 2017. 
Nice. I think I met you in like the prior year. Was it 2015 or 2016? You first uh, wanted to join the snow cabin shoot yes. that I was putting together. Yep, yep, yep. That's a, that's when we first met, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You contacted <laughs> me. And you're like, I want to be one of the models. And I was like, cool. And so you wanted to carpool with me. And I was like, oh, all right. You don't have a ride? Sure, you can ride with me. And it was like a three-day event. So we got to uh -huh. know each other. Yeah, that that's right. That's when I was doing the full-time modeling thing. And it was nice to have a gig in town, which was rare. <laughs> and then it was like really nice to meet somebody you know on my side of the camera who was organizing and putting events together so I just thought that was like rad so I wanted to be associated with you and your ability to put together cool group events to shoot out in the woods that was really rad and then I didn't think we'd hit it off I mean I knew we'd you know probably have a working relationship but I didn't think that we'd be you know the next year be in Croatia and Italy which was so cool yeah, pretty awesome looking back at everything <laughs> happening. I Sometimes I kind of lose sight of everything that I've been able to do and I forget to be grateful for it, which then mm. when I think about it all, it's kind of overwhelming. But like, I, I was watching a documentary. This sounds unrelated, but I'll promise I'll tie it together. I was watching a documentary <laughs> about, I think, the Eagles or something like that. And they're getting interviewed and as they're being interviewed, they said that, like, as their albums were coming out, they felt like they were just struggling from show to show and that nothing was working out together. And, you know, the band was having a tough time with their dynamic. And they didn't realize that they had already made it until, like, way later. But they were, like, selling out massive stadiums and stuff and not really feeling their success in the moment. And I guess yeah. now I kind of relate myself to that because I do feel like day-to-day -day I'm like, oh, what's the next thing? Like, I have to accomplish another goal. And I forget to look back at all the cool stuff that we've already done and be like, I'm doing it, you know, and this is rad. Totally. I relate to that exactly. You know, traveling the world <laughs> was like a highlight of my career. But at the time, I was like, yeah, this is just a job. This is just what I'm doing, you know. And I, but I, I'm not doing that anymore. And I look back at that really fondly. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I had it made. I was doing it. You know, I was successful. I had made myself successful, which is really strange because look, looking at all of the events leading up to it, it didn't feel like I was doing enough. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. all of those... You mentioned that one in every five or ten shoots was one that you actually felt that was going to be benefiting your portfolio or felt inspirational in any kind of way. But all the other ones in between were kind of like, oh, this guy's basement is like so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And again, at the, at the time, it was just a job and I didn't think anything of it. It's, you know, it's OK. This is what all the other models are going through as well. So I'm not alone in it. But like looking at it from an outside perspective, like looking at it from my mom's perspective, maybe of like, yeah, I'm just going over to this guy's house to do a shoot. She's like, do you know this guy? Have you met him before? I'm like, no. Why? <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> and she's like, you're in Ohio. If anything happens to you, I can't do anything about it. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm an adult now. It's all good. But looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, that was so unsafe. And I put so much. <laughs> trust and faith into the industry that you know thinking that I'd be okay and I I was for the most part but uh I only had a couple interactions that were like oh my 
Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of those couple of interactions that are like, oh my god, I have a part of my podcast that I like to call the photo shoot fail of the week. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Uh, can you describe a situation that was a photo shoot that was totally fucked up, either because the situation was fucked up or the photographer themselves was just out of line? Okay, yeah, so let's go with the latter. <laughs> Before I get into this, I do want to say that the majority of my experiences with photographers in the industry were fine and good, <laughs> you know, but it's it's the it's the one or two that taint the whole experience. And yeah. it's unfortunate that it has to be like that, and I know that there are photographers who get really frustrated about other photographers who boundary cross who are, you know, who are inappropriate with their models, blah, 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 because they they know that it reflects badly on them. And so I just want to say that this is not speak to every photographer that I've ever worked with. But (laughs) there is this one that kind of still haunts me. Okay, so background context. I was in a relationship. At the time, I didn't know that it was a toxic a narcissistic person, but I was paying all of our bills. He did not have a job, but that relationship was really valuable to me at the time. And he and I had this agreement that I wouldn't do erotic work. And erotic for me, that line was open leg. And so for the majority, it was quote unquote tasteful nudes. <laughs> yeah. Which now I don't see that line anymore as much thanks to some sexual healing. Anyway. Just want to throw that out there. But at that time, that was my boundary was if you book me for a shoot, I won't be opening my legs, but I'll do all of the, you know, do hours of nude work with you. So you, (laughs) you're actually the person who got me in touch with Scott, I think. Sorry about that. It's okay. (laughs) It's You and I both have had bad experience with with him. And sometimes you don't realize that it was a bad experience until after it happened, right? So, mm-hmm. or until years later, you're like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. Anyway, I worked with this guy out in the, in the Tri-Cities and he was fine. I don't remember his name, but he had some online business that he was running with his models. I think it was called northwest models northwestbeauties.com yeah (laughs) yeah that guy and i didn't have a car at the time so it took like a four hour fucking bus drive to get out there and so it was a long time so and he wanted to book me for like a full day so i brought over multiple outfits and i was there for the full day and i was like fuck i don't know if i'm gonna want to like be on the bus for eight hours in a day as while i do this full day gig and so he put me in in touch with his friend, who is also a photographer, Scott. And he was like, he hosts models all the time, and he'll want to book a shoot with you so you can earn some extra money there, too. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he mentioned that you had worked with him as well. And so I think I maybe I asked you about him, or maybe I didn't, but I was like, that's enough for me that Christy's seen, has worked with him and stayed with him. So sure. This guy, I don't know how to describe him. He was so like energetic and fun and excited to work with me. And for the first little while, we were doing just the tasteful nudes um, out in his backyard, which had a beautiful view of the mountains. 
and he had all these out- cool outfits to work with and it all seemed really fun and great until he and it was understood that I was going to be spending the night with at his house in his guest room and that he would drive me back to the bus station the next morning anyway he kind of cornered me and was like do you do any other genres and I was like what do you mean and he's like well do you do erotic work like would you be able to like spread your legs for me and I was like oh I don't no you know I don't do that and he is like that's a real big bummer because I'm really attracted to you and you know we might just have to cut this shoot short and I was like wait (laughs) but we had agreed that we were going to be working together for like three hours that's three hundred dollars I can't like I was really counting on that and he is like well I don't want to shoot anymore if you're not willing to do that something along those lines where it made me feel like saying no was not an option And especially from a host, like I wanted to be on good terms with this guy if I was going to be at his house. And so I kind of, I caved. I did some spread leg pictures for him. And I I remember signing a contract with him that was like, these pictures do not end up online. This is for your personal collection. And he, it seemed all on the up and up. Like it seemed like he was somebody I could trust at that time, but I don't know. I had worked with him, I don't know, maybe two or three times. And that was the agreement. Every time I go out and work with him, I always came home with more than $1,000 because I would combine working with Northwest Beauties and Scott. And I, yeah, came home with a lot of cash only, you know, being out there for a night, essentially. Anyway, the last time that I worked with Scott, we did the open leg nudes And he kept leaving the room. He kept leaving the photo shoot for a real quick second because he needed to grab something or he needed to do something real quick and just stay put uh, and he'd be back. He did that a lot and I didn't really think anything of it (laughs) until he was driving me to the bus station and he was driving very erratically. I remember asking him if there was something wrong with his truck, like with the steering, because he kept like he couldn't stay in his lane. And then he dropped me off at the bus station and he wanted to help me with my bags and get it into the bus station. And as we were in there together, he's exclaiming loudly how I'm his model and he's my photographer and how we work together. And like it was like this public display of. Yeah, I own this person. Whoa. In a way. This part. This is weird. (laughs) And I was like, you're drunk. He was drunk. He was drunk that whole time. That's why he kept leaving the room was to have a shot of whatever he was drinking. And I want to say, too, that this was in the morning. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this was not an evening shoot where he was drunk. Like, he was drinking during the day, during the morning of our shoot. And he drove me drunk to the bus station. And it, like on the way home, I could not get this ick out of my body. I felt really disgusting about what happened. Anyway, like a week goes by and I get a message from him on Facebook that was like, I trusted you. How dare you betray my trust? Return the things that you stole from me immediately. I, I'll give you three days before I call the cops. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
And he's like, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, what are you missing? And he's like, you know what I'm missing. You took it. And I was like, what is it? Is it like a watch or is it money? Like, what is it? And he was like, I left you in my room alone and I trusted you. And since you've left, like a whole bunch of money went missing out of my dresser. And I was like, well, I didn't touch anything in your dresser. I did not steal your money. But can you tell me how much is gone? Anyway, he wouldn't answer any of that. And it was like, just forget about it. I'm never hosting another model ever again. You ruined this for everybody. <laughs> and it was just really bizarre. But the hard part was that I couldn't talk to my partner about it because I had crossed the boundary that we had agreed upon that I wouldn't do erotic nudes. And I was so anxious. Just, I think this, I'm, I don't think I've ever felt as anxious as I felt in that moment because every knock at my door I thought was the cops coming to like arrest me for this theft that I didn't do. Anyway, so that didn't ever happen. But what did happen was a couple months later, one of our modeling colleagues messaged me and was like, hey, I just want to let you know that there's a picture of you with your legs open that one picture of the day on Model Mayhem. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, that's not me. I don't do that kind of work. And she's like, no, yes, it is. <laughs> and I looked and it was a picture of me that he fucking took, despite the contract that he and I had together that these pictures would never end up online. So I made a report to Model Mayhem, told him that I felt unsafe saying no to his request, the open legs, and that he actually drove me drunk to the bus station. I feel really unsafe with him. He's claiming that I stole something of his, which I didn't. Like, this person is unstable and I don't trust this person at all. And they're like, thanks for letting us know. That's all they said. And that picture was removed and his whole profile was removed from Model wow. Mayhem. So they wasted no time. And I'm so grateful <laughs> um, that they took that seriously and they didn't question me. They didn't ask for more details. Yeah, they just they quickly made an action to, I don't know, protect the rest of the community, I guess, against from this person. So I got an email from him less than an hour later. <laughs> and it was like, this is the proof that I needed that you stole from me. And I was like, what does that have anything to do with this claim that I stole something from you, like you broke our contract that said that you wouldn't post these pictures and you want picture of the day with them. <laughs> like, what the fuck does that have anything to do with the money that you're missing? And he was like, I'm going to ruin your career. Everyone will know that you're a thief. Anyway, just made all of these like wild, I don't know, threats, I guess. And oh, man. When I say that anxiety can cause diarrhea, please believe me. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, oh, my God. I think I had diarrhea for like a month because I just, yeah, I just was so fucking paranoid that every person that was calling me from a weird number I believed was either him or somebody who wanted to threaten me because of him. I don't know. It was all really weird. And I thought that one of the things that he was going to do was like tell my partner and this was the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario for me was not the cops coming to my door. The worst case scenario for me in my head was that this person was going to tell my boyfriend that I posed with my legs open for him and that my partner would think that I cheated, would believe that I cheated on him or something. And I sat with that for months. I did not know how to tell my partner that I had, yeah, 
broken our agreement one toxic masculinity situation to the next (laughs) oh yes tell me about it thank you so anyway it took me months and months to finally tell my partner what happened and it was okay he believed me what kind of strengthened our relationship and he basically told me that like how you pose is up to you and so that was nice that was nice to hear to give me a little bit of that liberty (laughs) a little bit of he trusted my judgment I guess so that helped me in my anxiety and I never heard from him again I never heard from Scott again which I hope it's true that I ruined it for quote unquote (laughs) ruined it for everybody else and that he isn't hosting other models because people aren't safe with him yeah anyway so I have a story about Scott (laughs) oh my god go ahead it's nothing like that, but the last time I'd worked with him, it wasn't like anything bad that he did at the shoot, but it was still super awkward. He was booking me for like three or four hours and hosting me, same deal that you were doing with the other website person than him. And I was I didn't know any I didn't know that he had a girlfriend or that he was lying to his girlfriend about doing nude photography at all. But I was doing the shoot with him and like in between outfits I put on my robe and then they got a knock at the door. And it was apparently his girlfriend who had shown up unannounced like early for like I don't know if if she was planning on coming over that day at all or whatever, but I was spending the night, so Like, it looked like I was the other woman, and she was shocked to see me, and Scott was obviously like, uh, this is awkward, and it was extremely awkward, and instead of, like, kicking me out or her leaving, she decided that we should all eat dinner at the house together (laughs) and sit at the dinner table, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that we aren't going to finish shooting because of how awkward this is. Yeah, well, I hope he paid you the rate regardless. No, I got paid. And the funny thing about anybody listening to this is it sounds like this this guy might be some, like, I mean, he he is a low-life GWC, but he has a lot of money. He has a really big house. Uh Uh-huh. And he has, he's got multiple divorces already, so he's got something (laughs) against women. Like, he talks about, you, you can tell by the kind of topics that he brings up that he has a very misogynistic perspective. For sure. And then the alcohol kind of makes everything worse. And so that was extremely awkward. Um. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a nightmare situation for, like, everyone involved. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not going to take all the time to bleep his name out. We didn't include his last name, so it's technically not uh, defamation, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) I suspect he's not even doing photography. And I hope not. It's no, his photography wasn't terrible, you know? It's like you can take a good photo and still be a shit person. He had, like, <laughs> decent lighting. I wouldn't say that his ideas or his angles were that great a lot of the time, but... I mean, he used natural light, you know? It's hard to fuck that up. I th- he had strobes and stuff, too, didn't Did he? Did he? I'm yeah, not gonna he, remember. I recall there being strobes <clears throat> in the living room with uh, soft boxes set up when his girlfriend uh. showed up. Which made it, I mean... <laughs> I guess, fortunately, that made it super obvious that what yeah. we were doing was a photo shoot. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so he actually shit-talked you a little bit. Well, fuck that guy. I don't know what he said, but what did he Oh, say? I'll tell you. It was so okay. stupid. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, so you worked with my friend Christy. And he's like, yeah, I worked with Christy. And I was like, what? 
like Chrissy's amazing. She's such a talented model. You should be proud that you worked with fucking Chrissy. She's busy and she had time for you. <laughs> like that's really cool. And and he's like, "Yeah, I hosted her, but you know what she did? She left her towel on the floor. Can you believe that?" And I was like, "Oh shit." What? And he's like, "Yeah, this isn't a hotel." I was like, oh, <laughs> "That is so minor. Like you're upset with Christy because oh, okay, sure." You know, I guess that should have probably <laughs> raised a red flag for me. Whatever. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing to complain about. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. But anyway, <laughs> all of his conversations, the, the one thing that he wanted to talk about was always either shit talking a woman, women in general, or talking about these really fun, exciting, like sexy times that he's had with his married neighbor or like, uh. yeah, just like really questionable sexual experiences that he was all excited to like tell me and talk to me about it I was just like this is but again this is a person who's paying my rate I don't really have a plate like the power dynamic is such that I can't tell him to shut the fuck up and I don't want to hear about it you want to keep these guys happy so that they'll hire you again because he clearly had the money to spend on long shoots and that you know I relied on that to pay my bills so I don't know it's just I you let there's certain things slide to protect yourself and that's what happened yeah and unfortunately I think a lot of freelance models if they want to do it full-time that that is kind of like a you know school of hard knocks that like most of us go through yeah and you have to have a certain tolerance to be able to put up with it yeah on such a consistent basis but okay so something else that happened recently I have like I've switched out my phones a lot since 2016 or whatever this was, but like I was, I kind of was going through my notes on my phone and this strange one came up and it's from 2016 and it starts, oh, it's uh, June 30th, 2016 and it starts out with, I want to fuck you. So I opened it up and it's this poem. Um, It says, I want to fuck you. Don't make a reaction, dot, dot, dot. Just how I feel. How soon is it possible? The morning? Maybe sooner? I'm hoping for a spooner. (laughs) I guess we can spoon too, but I was talking about fucking. Stop changing the subject. Well, I want to do a brothel. Whoa, slow down, Missy. I just meant that. (laughs) I just meant me and you for now. We can talk brothels later. I did not write that. What? I did not. This is a note in my phone in the notes app. Huh. I like this is around the time and he was the only person who could only ever talk about fucking and he did say a few times that he wanted to fuck me i don't ever remember like i don't know how he got a hold of my phone to do this but he is the only person that i can think who would do this if you airdrop a note does the note sync with <gasps> your note is that what it is i think but i, I didn't think... i didn't accept it like this I don't is know, years man. later that i found this I didn't, this is so weird. Dude, it's so gross. And it, but, the, ugh. Was your shoot around that time? Or? I'm sure. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, man. Yeah, he, he sent me some weird, weird emails and I had to like set a boundary because he had joined my Patreon. Oh, and he right. was sending me weird messages about content that I was posting and like he got really inappropriate with his emails. And I was like, hey, man, like, can you just appreciate the content and not send me these weird emails about, you know, what you want to do to me? Like, this is gross. And he got really Ugh. upset and said some, like, 
some stuff that indicated that he thought that I owed him because of how many times he had hired me and how how much he was paying wow. per month for my Patreon. And I was just like, well, fuck you. I'm going to block you on Patreon now. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I do remember you telling me about that. I think it was after your interaction with him. It was probably yeah. shortly after, I think. It was totally traumatizing. So I was trying to tell as many people as I could about it. But I remember he actually commented on one of my pictures that I had taken with another photographer who, okay, so context, I normally have a full bush, but this one time I did a liquid latex shoot and the liquid latex got into my bush and I had mm. to shave my bush. Mm. Um, so I was clean shaven for like a couple photo shoots until it grew out and he saw one of those and was like, oh my God, you finally shaved. Now I can taste your puss or something like Ugh. that. Like, like, what did it take for you to finally shave? And it was just like, fuck Ugh. you. Oh my God, leave me alone. That's so nasty. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I really hope he's not shooting anymore. <laughs> oh, I hope so too. It's so interesting too, because like the industry is such that like people, models will talk to other models to get a reference kind of check up check the temperature on a guy to see if he's safe you know and I had reached out there's like a model safety group on Facebook at the time and I was like just so you guys know this is a thing that happened to me with this guy he's accusing me of stealing from him he seems unstable and unsafe and there were a couple people who were like oh my god I'm so sorry this is traumatizing for you are you okay and then there were a couple other people who were like yeah he's just a little gross but he's harmless and they continued to work with him. And then a couple times later, they came back to me and was like, yeah, so this is what happened with Scott. And this is how he crossed my boundary. I was like, dude, I like, why didn't you believe me the first time? They're like, no, I believed you. I just, you know, I thought that I, I could handle myself better than you could or something. There's always this like, mm -hmm. for photographers who pay your rate and will book you for half a day or more, there's always more room for their gross behavior. Yeah. Because they're um, willing to pay uh, standard rates and people who need yeah. the money are like, well, she had a bad experience, but that's, you know, probably because she didn't have good enough boundaries or something like that. And I yeah, do, she so I just... can handle myself. Yeah, totally. Until it comes a time where he pushes you to your own tolerance level, I guess. Yeah. Gross. And it, it's hard to, like, predict if somebody is going to be like that because if you're only asking other professional models that they worked with what their experience was like chances are if they're predatory they were purposefully nice to the well-known model and it's only the ones that are not well known that maybe they didn't even post photos of that model in their portfolio yeah they tried something with them so totally it's hard yeah. to like people say oh you just check references check references that's how i'm safe it's like checking references is good but are these the cherry-picked references that the photographer sent to you? Or are you only contacting people in their portfolio that you recognize and you already have their, like, Instagram so that you can just easily message them? Like, mm -hmm. it's hard to really get down to it. I think that, honestly, like, reading the way that they described themselves in their bio and looking at the micro-expressions of the newer models in their page mm -hmm. is more of an indication than if they worked with somebody really popular. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have another question for you that I ask everybody on the show. Can Let's you describe a situation in your life where you were faced with a challenge, whether that was 
overcoming something new in your career or battling with the insecurity of some kind that you had to overcome. I I call this the rising phoenix era of your life. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, totally. Let's see. A rising phoenix moment that I've had. I was actually talking to my therapist yesterday about my progression the last few years. So when I moved to Portland, I didn't have friends here at the time and I didn't have a car and I was earning my money mostly off of like Patreon. So I didn't have to go anywhere. I wasn't doing any shoots. I was just sitting around at home and uh, occasionally I would like go on trips or whatever, but my day-to-day life was really boring and I hated it. I really wanted some structure in my life that I didn't have. And in that time that I had, I just had so much time to sit and think about myself, how I show up in the world and what I wanted out of life. And I had like a full blown identity crisis. I just felt like an empty shell. I had just left my abusive narcissistic relationship. So I just felt empty and gross and unappreciated and felt like I didn't have a personality. And that all I was was just a hot person online. Like that's what I, that's the only thing that was going on in my life. And it was also kind of comfortable to do nothing. (laughs) So I didn't really like challenge it too much. But that was around the time that I was thinking that maybe I would be a pilot for reference. Anyway, and then the pandemic happened and it was like, oh, cool. Now I have an excuse to do nothing. (laughs) So I'm just going to continue on not having much of a schedule. And in that time of thinking about myself, how I show up in the world and like what I contribute to the world other than just having some huge knockers, (laughs) was when I decided that I think what I should be doing is doing something in the sexual health field, which I don't really know yet, but I know that there's a lot of shame and stigma around sex that I've had to recover from being raised Mormon that the industry, you know, being a model has helped me with, but I wasn't to a point to where I felt like I had no shame around my sexuality or sex. And that's when I kind of started leaning into collecting erotic art. (laughs) And I love disgusting pervy things just because I like the way that it like grinds other people's gears and challenging Mm -hmm. them. I don't know. It's just funny to make a penis joke occasionally, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I felt like I, I might be a good person to talk about sex professionally just because I I feel less shame than most people do. Anyway, so I started like looking at what kind of jobs there are and what they require as far as the amount of schooling you need. And definitely everything required some kind of a degree, at least an associates, you know. And with all of this spare time that I had on my hand, it just kind of made sense to go back to school. So I just decided it took me like a day to be like, yeah, I think I need to go back to school. <laughs> so, or at least go to school. I hadn't had much schooling underneath my belt anyway. So, yeah, I signed up for PCC and I made an agreement with myself that I am not, I'm going to graduate without loans. And if I'm paying for this out of my pocket, I've got to get the most out of it as I can. And so, you've got to get all the A's possible. So, yeah, I've been in school now since, uh, I guess, the beginning of. 2021 and I'm about to graduate with my associates. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I'm on my last term at PCC. 
and then I'll be at PSU in the fall. And at the moment, I do not have a major decided, but I've got my focus award in uh, women's women, gender, and uh, sexuality. And then, yeah, I'm about to graduate. And I have, I think I'll probably be graduating with a 3.9. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Thank you. And then anyway, so, th- so at the beginning of this year, I also decided that there were some other things that I needed to focus on outside of school and outside of my career, which is like, movement. I need to like move my body. It like hurts (laughs) to sit still, you know, working on a paper for five hours on end. It just hurts my hips. So I now have a trainer that I work with three times a week and I'm running on the side. And I find like this past month looking at my schedule, I am so proud of myself for having structure in my day. I wake up with something to do every day, whether it's a photo shoot or school or (laughs) I'm on a bowling league, or working out, or just something that's for me. It feels awesome to feel like I'm headed towards something, I don't know, beneficial for my future. So I'm, I feel more stable now than I ever have. And I feel really lucky (laughs) that I've accidentally put myself in the like, most perfect position to be successful at school. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I love it. I didn't know I was smart, <laughs> by the way. I, so I think my actual Rising Phoenix moment was when I was actually writing a paper for my very first term and it, for the class Human Sexuality. And the paper that I was writing was a research paper called How Gender is a Construct. And it helped me really explore gender identity as a whole. And it helped me explore my own gender identity And also helped me explore that I was actually capable putting like researching and putting together a good solid argument. And it, I blew my own socks off. It was really strange to be like, okay, look, I can, it's easy to write a paper. I can do this. Just sit down and like string together a few sentences until you have about 10 pages worth. (laughs) And it makes sense. And now I'm changing my identity because it makes too much sense. And then I got 100% on that paper. (laughs) And I cried for probably three days straight. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm so proud of myself, happy tears. It was like, there was a death of me that I mourned. And it was the belief that I am stupid, and that I'm incapable. And that all that I am is just the shell of a hot person. Like there's substance to me. I'm capable of thinking deeply. I'm capable of getting all of the A's that I want. And I'm also capable of creating a world that makes sense to me outside of what society expects from me. And thus, my gender is non-binary now. And (laughs) it feels a little weird being a hot person online with boobs and having the non-binary identity. But gender is so much more than just how you present yourself and what body you were born into so yeah I don't know yeah that's it yeah and that's really amazing I do see that like sometimes on social media there's a lot of people who aren't educated in that area that give you resistance on that which I'm sure is very fucking annoying (laughs) yeah but I think one thing that I think is really amazing and that people can kind of take some notes on is that you made this 
like shift within yourself as a result of getting an education. So you are learning things about yourself as you're going through college. And I think that's really amazing. Absolutely. I have learned. I mean, there's just so many tools out there that were not at my disposal before I went to school. Going to school gave me access to the language around how I want to express myself, which I didn't have before. And so I don't know if I can get deeper into this topic. There is this fear of sexual education because people think that if kids have have an understanding of different sexualities and different gender identities, then it threatens the heteronormative standard, which is interesting because it does do exactly that. And that doesn't mean that like if you have like comprehensive sex ed, then that means you're going to be gay. <laughs> you're gonna or you're going to be a slut, it. right? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that people who go in like a gay person who doesn't know that they're gay or doesn't know that there are different ways to live a life that's fulfilling to you outside of just, you know, getting married and having kids with an, with a person of the quote unquote opposite sex. They go into human sexuality courses and then they come out of it with this whole new set of ideas and language that somebody has already thought about before and you didn't have to be the person to be like well I don't know being a woman doesn't make sense to me I don't know what else there is out there but it will give you the tools to explore that and to maybe give you I don't know a label that you identify with that most people will then understand I don't know if this makes any sense. But yeah, totally. I think it's great to hear this perspective, especially for people listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah, totally. So anyway, I don't know. It just, <laughs> you discover yourself in your sexuality when you have proper sex education, which is exactly why I'm going back to school because I feel like everybody else deserves that same freedom of expression and identity, self-identity. There's a theory that I've been presented with that I feel like might have some truth to it. I'm not saying that this applies to every situation of like violence or whatever, but Mm. I've heard that it might be true for some people that they could be closeted and gay and in denial of it because they already have been raised with heteronormative beliefs or perhaps with religion that emboldens Mm -hmm. that heteronormative like the a man and a woman must be married and this is how it is because this is what this one bible verse from the old testament says right (laughs) (laughs) so and but if you are not allowing yourself to explore your true identity you might have repressed emotions because of that that do cause like you know anger and potentially violence within that person so the theory that i've heard from some people is that a lot of men who commit acts of violence might potentially be in the closet and not realize it because they don't allow themselves to realize it and they're angry it's internalized homophobia yeah and they're angry with themselves because they're wrestling with these tough feelings because they feel like there's something wrong with them because that's what society has told them. And so when they find somebody else who is open in their presentation and who's comfortable with their sexuality, they often take it out on those people because they're resentful of the happiness that they've found. 
that within themselves, they don't feel like they have the permission to be as open and accepting of that part of themselves. And so they have to take it out on other people and tell them to shut up about it. Tell them to go back into the closet because you're still in the closet. They should be too, you know? And so there's this, there's this threat of somebody else who's out and happy that that means there is a certain comfortability of being stagnant, right? Yeah. Of like not looking inward, not being curious about yourself and just kind of going along with the status quo that's been laid out before you. You don't have to think. You don't have to challenge yourself. You don't have to broaden your horizons, you know. Or but be then, different. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're taking the road of less resistance. And so when you're confronted with somebody else who has questioned themselves, who have a certain level of introspection and this um, acceptance of who they are, and they start living a little bit more boldly, you know, you look at it, you think about a queer person in your head, it is not somebody who has a nine to five job, who lives with a, the person of the opposite sex. They live so loud. They have colorful hair. They are so joyful <laughs> because they are happy with themselves. But it took a lot. It took a, a lot to get to that point. It took probably years to get to a point to where you can accept your authentic self. And so as a person who's living in an authentic way, in a queer authentic way, is now a threat to people and their comfortability of living the status quo because yep. they're the example that it's possible to be happy and it's possible to live authentically and we all deserve the freedom of self-expression but there's this huge part of society who has set standards and expectations of who you are supposed to be and how you're supposed to live and so when you see somebody else outside of that they become a threat to the way that of the life that you're trying to preserve mm -hmm. yeah i don't know so yeah, it makes sense that those people who are repressing their authentic self, who may be gay, who may be trans, need to kind of double down. And they're doubling down on themselves by acting outwardly mm -hmm. against other people, which is not fair. It's not right. But that might be a little bit of an inside view of what's going on inside their lives and in the, inside their heads. Yeah. What I was thinking of while you were describing that is... There might be like a notion that some people would take out of that thinking that, oh, does that mean that if I'm actually heterosexual that I haven't explored myself thoroughly? And, and I don't think that that's true at all because there are, you know, there's all the ranges of, you know, heterosexual, homosexual and everything in between. And everybody has like where they are and like, you know, who they are down below. What right. I, I do feel myself as a heterosexual female but when i see people who are expressing themselves in their sexuality that are differently than mine and doing it boldly like when i for example the first time i ever went to fetish con there's so many people there who have like really outlandishly seeming fetishes like balloons and tickling and like <laughs> wearing a diaper in public and stuff like that i'm just like whoa, I've never seen anything like this, but everybody at the convention is like, you know, letting their freak flag fly like very uh -huh. boldly. And it was really exciting for me to be there because I felt like, wow, everybody can just be themselves. I can be in an elevator with like a dominatrix who's hot as fuck that has like a guy on a leash 
And I'm like, these people are just fully expressing themselves without a filter. And I'm like, damn, I want to fully express myself without a filter too. So it was actually inspiring to be there, even though I don't feel that like my identity is like outside the norm that far. When I see that, I'm still really inspired by it. And I love being around it. Yeah, totally. I love that. And it probably gives you the freedom to be self-expressive in whatever way is authentic to you. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's what's important. If you're seeing other people who are expressing their sexuality and their gender a little differently than you do, and, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're cis and you're heterosexual. So, so you're cishet and that there's nothing wrong with that. We're not out here trying to say that everybody's gay. Nobody's trying to convert the other person. We're just saying be yourself. (laughs) Just be yourself and be comfortable with that. And once you're comfortable with who you are and you have kind of explored who you are and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm cis and I, yep. No, I'm, I'm heterosexual. It's like, cool. You're comfortable with that. You know who you are. And it's less threatening to see other people who are expressing themselves in a different way than you do. Yeah. And so you're able to accept them. Instead of being judgmental and threatening towards them, just be yes. like, yeah, rock it, you know? What's, yeah. what's what's the matter with that? Like, why why can't more people just be high-fiving each other instead of, like, judging each other? <laughs> <laughs> because we're, cause it does threaten society, Yeah, you know, and how we know the world to work or expect the world to work. And we need people to be, to fit perfectly in their boxes so that we can categorize you and where you fit in society. And what if the world is so much bigger than that? (laughs) And it is. So, yeah, that's what I'm pushing up against. It's just everything that's expected of us. Yeah, I want to, you know, think that the world is heading towards that direction. And I I do see progression happening. But with every few steps of progression, there's a step backwards, too. And so. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you know how many anti-trans bills are being passed right now? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of crazy. And and some people are calling it trans genocide, which I agree with because they're trying to erase trans people, which is like, get a life. <laughs> you know, trans people probably account for only like 3% of society, which is like definitely increased in the last few decades because people are being more outspoken and accepting. But there will be parts of society will resist that with everything that they have and it's really scary so yeah just being just talking about it being loud and proud about who you are be a safe person for a baby queer even if you are a cishet person you're an ally you're a safe person for them to be themselves around we need more of that so that we can uh just yeah hope yeah head towards that future where everyone is comfortable with their sexuality everybody's comfortable with their gender no matter where what it is you decide where it is you fall on the spectrum everyone deserves the right to be happy and free in their self-expression word yeah fully agree yeah well said by the way oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) well uh, we're about at the length of time that my podcasts usually go is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on the show before we go Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if it would be fun to kind of uh, reminisce about our travels. Yeah. What's yeah. Your, where have we been together? <laughs> <laughs> I think my my favorite trip might have been the Croatia trip, even though it, it was three of us and a male photographer. He was 
he was a joy to be around. Mm, yes. <laughs> he didn't carry our bags. Um, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, that I think that trip and the Belize trip, I think we really focused on the unique areas that were in nature that we really wanted to create in. And then I feel like we killed it at those locations, like the the lavender fields and oh. the ruins that we went to that one yep. time. I thought that those were two like really spectacular places that we got to see together. They were. Yeah, that's my most viral picture that Carolyn The lavender took. fields, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lavender fields and the blue see-through dress. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it's a very good, great. Carolyn is an amazing photographer. I've always loved her work. But I'm not sure why that picture is so viral, <laughs> but it's all over the fucking internet. I can't even keep track of it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Croatia was so much fun. Croatia and Italy. And yeah, and then we went to, we wa- we also went to Brazil together. That was a really hard trip. but You we, were the we highlight it. to me about Brazil. You and I shot each other. Like, I was your photographer. You were my photographer. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to bring up the other photographers, <laughs> but I did not get very many photos from them for the amount of time that I spent on that trip for the amount of money. that. Yeah. I- and yeah. then you were sick the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a chance to rest. You know, I was like, you would, oh my God, Christy. You had all of your things stolen. Yeah, I had like two grand of equipment stolen from airport employees at the airport. Oh my God. (laughs) That's the one place that you don't think you're going to get jacked. I know, from the employees. Oh my gosh. Yeah, put a lock on your thing. But it still has to be a TSA friendly lock, which means that they're able to open your bag anyway, right? If you have a lock on your suitcase, I think it's supposed to be like a TSA friendly lock. Oh, I'd love to look into more. I'd like to look into that. That's. I mean, I could be wrong, but usually when I'm at the airport and I see like if you have a lock, there's like a little sign like usually when you're checking, putting your bags on the check oh. bank that says like, you know, TSA approved locks only. Well, so then what's the point of a lock? Yeah, it's, it's uh, so that other people that don't work at the airport can't steal your shit. But they also say, I think now, I don't know if it was always this way, but nowadays they say don't put electronics in your checked bag. Oh my god, but what about us photographers? Yeah, you just have to carry it on your back <laughs> and uh, hope that it fits in your carry-on, but not everybody can fit everything in their carry-on. Yeah, totally. Absolutely so, not. Yeah, you yeah. had all your underwater gear stolen. Just you you lost the... your passport. <laughs> I lost my passport. Dude, oh my. I, yeah, I, le- I left my passport on the plane, which was a domestic flight. And that's why I left it behind by accident. But yeah, that had six years worth of stamps. Yeah. So that had our Croatia stamp. That had our Belize stamp. Oh, my God. And you yeah. were like, you were like, yep, I had all my things stolen. Well, that sucks. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks, Christy. And then I was like, oh, my passport. And I just like looked yeah. out the window and cried. And you were like, oh, I'm so sorry, Lilius. Are you okay? Oh and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So, yeah, I had to make it to the embassy really fast so that we can get onto the next plane, which was like the very next day. Yeah. And I got my little uh, travel or uh, my little temporary passport and then the very next year you and I and some other folks were going to be making it out to Bali Mm. (laughs) and I you organized the trip I believe is that right oh I mean you initiated it at least no I think you were the one who wanted to go to Bali but I think I did look at the I'm the one who booked the Airbnb 
Anyway, I made that whole flight. Thirty hours it. of traveling. <laughs> so much. And then they wouldn't let me into Bali because I didn't get a new full passport. I just had that temporary passport that I got in Brazil. <laughs> and they turned me around. Oh my gosh. That was massively disappointing. I I've never experienced such disappointment and embarrassment in my whole life. Like <laughs> turning away from you guys and you were all looking at me all sad and I was like, I can't believe that I'm not I can't be in Bali with you. And they treated me like I was like a criminal. They confiscated my passport. They wouldn't let me have my passport. They needed to have security's eyes on me at all time. So no matter where I was in the airport, I had somebody following me around. I was always the first or last person to board a plane because I couldn't hold my passport. They had to escort me with my passport. Oh. Yeah, I didn't get my passport back until I got off of my last plane in Seattle. Wow. Oh. That sucks. And wow. for the people listening, the temporary passport that she got, it was temporary, but it had an expiration date that was for one year later. Yeah, so, so it's believed that she could have used it for an entire year. Well, it is a functional passport, and most countries will let you in with it. But I didn't think anything of it because it was a valid passport; it wasn't expired. But when I got, yeah, when I got to the customs, they were like, "Where's your visa?" And I was like, I don't need a visa because I got a passport. And they're like, no, with this passport, you need a visa to enter Indonesia. But yeah, this is something that I just did not consider that I needed to do. Yeah. But but basically, that passport was essentially just to get me home until I got a new renewed passport. But that's not mm -hmm. what I did. Totally embarrassing. It was very <laughs> shitty. But in Bali, I, w weren't there cameras stolen there? Oh, yeah, Carolyn had her camera stolen when we were on an excursion, and somebody stole it out of the vehicle that we were being transported around in. Damn. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Some, you know, it's really fun to travel. There will always be something that goes wrong. Yeah. Just count on it. Yeah. Yeah, shit happens. Like, I, I had always, my but... shit stolen. Carolyn had her shit stolen. You basically had an entire, like, week and a half trip that you had been hoping on, like, pretty much stolen from you. Yep. Sucked. <laughs> but, but I mean, the good times that we have had are good. The Claire B&B was pretty awesome, even oh, though it was wow. in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. Yeah. And then, oh, you couldn't make it for when we went to the most recent one, the Rainbow Getaway in Palm Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work out with cool. your schedule. I think I was just, when, as I was van lifing, I think I was van lifing during that time. And I can't, couldn't really like align with like anything involving figuring out where to be at what time to get on an airplane. I was just like, all right, I'm going to be in this area and I've got these plans. And, you know, it like my life has morphed in a way where I mostly am within the United States, like with my RV and that's where my expenses for traveling are going towards the RV and gas and maintenance on this and trailer parks and stuff. And I do really like it because it gives me more time to kind of settle into an area and explore and not feel like I have to rush around to all the locations within a few days. Yeah. Or go to major cities and try to book a bunch of basement shoots, which is what <laughs> I used to do, like just like you. So there are benefits and disadvantages. I do travel internationally now, maybe once or twice a year-ish, since yeah. the pandemic has kind of calmed down and other countries have opened up travel 
pretty much only been to Mexico. Oh, I went to Tahiti last year. So that's all oh. I've been to Mexico and Tahiti. Right, and you went with Carolyn too, right? Yeah, Amazing. it was a good time. Oh, that, it looks like fun. And your pictures are gorgeous. Your underwater modeling is mind blowing. Dude, you're oh. killing it. Thanks. You're Thank welcome. You. you and Astrid, man. Astrid is awesome. I know. I have a big crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. established at the Claire B&B. She's so easy to be around and very creative and majestic. And, yes. Yeah. And very humble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she just seems as, like salt of the earth. Yeah. Sexy yes. voice, too. Yeah, she does have a good voice. <laughs> when I'm edi- when I'm editing my episodes, I'm just like, gosh, I have such a high pitched nasally voice. I must be so annoying to listen to. <laughs> no, you're not at all. Oh, you, <laughs> I find you definitely one of the most interesting people that I know of. Um, you are such a go getter. You're so passionate about what you do, and you like inspire people too. And you intentionally inspire people. Which I really love about you. Oh my god. And your TikToks? Shut the fuck up. Oh my god. <laughs> By the way, you were right about TikTok. It is definitely a great way to funnel people into your uh, OnlyFans. Oh, is it working out for you now? Yeah. I was super resistant, super hesitant to get on TikTok. And I'm not doing anything nearly as like involved as what you do, which I respect. I don't understand TikTok that well. But I'm just doing the really quick funny lip syncs yeah totally and like that's all i'm doing i'm not really putting too much effort into it but yeah that drives more traffic than instagram does and i only have like five thousand followers on there nice yeah they have a good algorithm for people to find their target like desired content so it's kind of scary i was only on tiktok for like two days before they just knew exactly my type of woman and i'm like wow Wow, I'm really amazed and also super turned on and fuck you. Where are these people? (laughs) Jump out of the phone and kiss me, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's hella funny. (laughs) We got a plan to get together. I'm going to be in the Pacific Northwest here and there throughout the summer. Um, okay, let's fun. like do something at some, I'll either come down to you or you can uh, come up to me. Yeah, of course. I feel like the three of us, we bonded over... The industry, right? We had that in common. And then the very next thing that we all bonded over was farts. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we were laughing about in Croatia. Yes, it, it made the whole trip and the traveling and the long drives more entertaining. Yeah, you just fart at each other every once in a while and you're besties. Oh, and then, okay, so when we were in Colombia, that's when I crossed the boundary into actual farting and not just jokes. Okay, hold on. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if you... you uh, I remember you farting in bed. Disgusting. <laughs> I know it was one of you guys. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're braver than I am because I haven't been able to fart in front of you. That's okay. If you did, I wouldn't fart shame you over it. Okay, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so, like... I probably should end this soon, but I know, <laughs> I'm going to say that in my relationship, my boyfriend and I fart in front of each other, like, constantly, and so now when I have, like, a guest, it, I, like, I have this nature where I, I don't generally hide them, and, I, like, 99% of the time, I'm, it's just me and Travis in the RV, and we're just yeah. farting all the time, and <laughs> so I have to, like, actually consciously think to, like, go hide to fart, and it's kind of weird. 
It is super weird. And once you get comfortable around each other's like uh, bodily functions, when you suddenly have to be aware of them, it's a practice and it's a chore and it's weird. Yeah. People should just not be weird about farting. I agree. I don't know. We all do it. We've all got a butthole. We can't <laughs> just, just tape it shut all the time. Don't do not do it in my face or whatever, but like, you know. Whatever. They're fucking funny. They're funny. <laughs> They are fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all mature adults who can agree that farts are fucking great. <laughs> anyway. Agreed. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for doing the podcast with me. Of course. I hope it's useful material. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Have a good day. Thanks. All right. <laughs>